Welcome to Folk Roots Radio. I'm Jan Hall. All the best in Folk Roots Americana, singer-songwriters and blues, and artist interviews. On Folk Roots Radio, we're all about the music and the people that make it. Now coming up, we're pleased to bring you an hour of conversation on music from Windsor, Ontario-based Sarah and Ryan Fontaine, who make music together as the Fontaines. We're in the midst of the COVID-19 emergency, and so we're catching up with Sarah and Ryan over Zoom, rather than live in the Folk Roots Radio studio. Sarah and Ryan met while pursuing musical careers. Sarah in theatre and vocal performance, and Ryan as an upright bass player. With a sound that's described as folk with a modern twist, they affectionately call every gig date night. Now they've just released their self-titled debut album, and we're very pleased to bring that to you today. So settle down and enjoy The Fontaines in Conversation on Folk Roots Radio.
That's the Fontaines from Windsor, Ontario with Build Me a House from their debut self-titled duo album. Now, Sarah and Ryan Fontaine actually met while pursuing musical careers, Sarah in theatre and vocal performance, and Ryan as an upright bass player. And with a sound that's described as folk with a modern twist, they affectionately call every gig date night. Sarah's poignant and thoughtful lyrics and their masterful blend of vocal harmony and instrumentation make every performance truly unique. It's my great pleasure to welcome to Folk Roots Radio today, Sarah and Ryan Fontaine. How are you guys doing? Uh, We're well, thank you. Well, all things considered. Exactly. We're in the midst of the COVID-19 emergency, and I, I have to be completely honest here. We were actually planning to do this interview two months ago, but unfortunately, I managed to get into a situation where I wasn't feeling quite so well long before COVID-19 entered our lives. And then we were going to get together after I came back from a music cruise. I was on the Kayamo Roots music cruise and I got sick again. I think with the coronavirus, we're keeping our fingers crossed that maybe I've already had it. You're sort of thinking the same thing because we had just in early January, we had this horrible, horrible, nasty flu bug that uh, was, you know, respiratory involved and everything. And, you know, we sort of asked ourselves, gee, I wonder if maybe we already, maybe we dealt with this thing already here in the house. We didn't even realize it because it was sort of prior to it being, you know, so such a publicly known thing, right? So, I don't know. no way of knowing. We don't, I guess we won't know at this point. We'll find out. <laughs> well, I think that's one of the things that we will learn in time. I imagine when the the scientists, the epidemiologists, the researchers look at this later on down the road they'll be able to tell us all about it but by then we'll have all gone back to our lives we'll all be busily out there you guys will be out playing gigs because i know that you had a show planned i think at the end of february that unfortunately you had to cancel when everything changed so we will get there we're going to talk about shows a little later in this interview but let's start off with how you guys got together because you know i i know you pretty well i've introduced you a few times at Dale's Friday Coffee House, we had you in Kingsville for a Sun Parlor Coffee House session a couple of years ago. You've been together quite a while. You obviously seem to flow really well. The exciting thing is that you've put out this self-titled debut album. And I think, did you have one or two albums, Sarah, before this that were just under your own name? I put out one, um, would have been in... 2014 or 2013 I was expecting our second child and I I actually talked to Ryan and I said why why do you not want to be on this like in terms of your name and he goes no 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 this is your album so after that was done I said that's it the next one you're singing and you're playing and you're he played on the previous one but I wasn't going to let him get away with not being on the on the cover anymore (laughs) I was like now you're in the group and that's how it's going to (laughs) go Yeah, and that was fine. It was something I think that was inevitably going to happen anyway. And we were performing as a duo, and really only ever as 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 the two of us, as the Fontaines. So I think it was the the logical sort of chain of events that we would eventually you know, release the album as as the Fontaines. And we, we decided were, we were not. We were gonna after two kids. We were like, this is it. We're together forever. <laughs> now we'll put out the album. We're a legitimate uh, <laughs> family and group. We don't have a choice. Yet. So how was it to make the album then? I mean. This isn't meant to be a therapy session. We are meeting over Zoom, uh, which everybody has discovered. You know, I my partner's had Zoom for a while. I'm now using it for interviews when people are able to 
to do a video call rather than just a phone call because it's so much nicer when you can actually see who you're talking to. Yeah, but sure. how was the experience of making this album? I knew more what I wanted in terms of going into a studio and saying, this is how we want to create it. But it is a unique experience working with your spouse or your partner. There's always that undercurrent of the relationship that never goes away. Uh, so in some aspects, it's very helpful because you're very in tune with each other emotionally, physically. You can really um, dial into each other's um, needs in the studio. Whereas sometimes our poor studio engineer would be like, <laughs> what's going on? Because we would have some little nitpicky session that probably wouldn't have occurred if he was working with another band. Um, but when we went into the studio, we were very specific about wanting to record as much as we could together organically. Uh, so the instrumentals were done live off the floor, no click tracks, him and I just standing in the room together. And that took a little bit of time to figure out how it was going to actually work. Our, our sound engineer, Justin, was fantastic and we made it work. And mm -hmm. the vocals were done individually in the booth, but the instrumentals were were done together, staring into each other's yeah. eyes. And often, <laughs> oftentimes mouthing words, yeah. right? Mouthing, okay, you know, chorus or verse or, or whatever it is to sort of make sure that we're on the same page. Because, we're, you know, again, you're doing it instrumentation-wise, you're going live off the floor, and but it has to line up, of course, with the, with the lyrics and everything. And so in your head... You're, you know, you're focusing on so many different things, you're, you know, focusing on the logistics of, of the actual process, which, you know, am I close enough to the mic? Am I making too much noise? Am I doing, but also singing the song to yourself in your head and making sure that, you know, the other one is doing the same. Personally, I find recording in the studio a, a bit stressful. Although I have done quite a bit of it, I, I find that recording is a bit more of an arduous task than performing live, just because it, it is for posterity, I suppose, and it is, you know, being put to, you know, whatever medium it happens to be. The process this time, I think, went quite smoothly and quite well, but I always find it a bit stressful. And I think you wanted to try and create an album that had that live feel, didn't you? Yeah, it was important to us that we presented ourselves as who we were. We didn't want to go in with a full band when that isn't what we do on a regular basis. You know, if we if we have a gig, it's just Ryan on double bass and I on guitar and voice and Ryan singing as well, of course. So we didn't want to present ourselves on the album as anything other than what, what we were. Of course, we know fabulous musicians and we could have had our pick of, of multitudes of players. But to us, it was just we wanted to be us and not try to... Uh, make it well, yeah. anything else. And I think that's a lot with, with that first, you know, self-titled release that Sarah did that experience of doing it with drums and with some keys and an electric bass and doing these things that we didn't do live sort of made us realize even more so that when we did this, this most recent album that we wanted it to be as true to what we do live as possible. You know, having done it, you know, the other way before we realized, okay, now this is, this is the way it needs to be this time. You write the lyrics for all the songs, is that right, Sarah? Mm -hmm. So take us through the, the process you use when you write a song. How, did, how does that work? I wish I could tell you. <laughs> I find sometimes it's just a phrase or a line or an idea, and then it spirals from there. I don't have a really tried and true method of writing music. I have some songs that literally have just popped into my head. And then I have, a lot of times I will write lyrics first, 
and then set them to music or sometimes they just kind of happen at the same time. Most of the time when I read, I don't have a guitar in my hands. I will, I will set it to music or set it to guitar after. Sometimes I'll sit down on the piano. Nowadays I, I play more piano than guitar actually, because I teach so many hours. I definitely usually have a, an underlying idea, but I don't particularly like my songs to be really, um, they're a little opaque. I don't really want them to be, you know, like I went to the store and bought some eggs kind of, I, I just can't. So I find them sometimes difficult to write personally because I'll, I'll be like, well, I want to say this, but I have to do it this way. So yeah. And sometimes they just happen. And I don't know why. You know, op opaque's a really good word to use. Actually, when you started to talk about this song with the first line, I went to the store and to buy some eggs, I thought that could be a Sarah Fontaine song. It could <laughs> be, but I would say, some, would, yeah, I would say was, something else. Right, she would say it in a way that wasn't so direct, I yeah. suppose. <laughs> One of the things I love about your music generally, and I've heard this from a lot of people when they see you play live, is the fact that you you have an interesting way with the the way that the song develops. I mean, you naturally get drawn in, you know, and I really like that. We we started off with Build Me a House, which is one of my favorite tracks from the album. Tell us a little bit about writing that one. It's actually a sort of funny story because I had written it years ago and I just tossed it. I keep all of my, my journals. I'm a paper and pencil writer. It has to be a pencil and it has to be paper. So I have these notebooks just tossed everywhere and I keep them so that I can look back on them in case I find a snippet or a line or something. And so I, I remembered because we were doing a huge home renovation. Our house was torn to shreds. This is actually the room we're in is the only room that we actually haven't done yet. And that's this summer, mm -hmm. but we had electrical and plumbing. It was just, it was a nightmare. Anyway, it's all done now. Um, but while that was happening, it made me think of the song. And I went back and I found the lyrics and I had sort of forgotten the melody. I just thought the metaphor of, of a home and where you live and who you love being in that home was a beautiful, the, the imagery was, was really well suited to a relationship and feeling safe and comforted in that, in that space. And so everything in that piece, the, the pieces of the house are, are the parts of those relationships and, and, you know, when you feel safe, uh, at, you know, especially now, it's like, okay, we're, we're in this bizarre sort of time and trying to feel like we have some sort of tangible normalcy to hang on to while our homes are still here and they're, they're still solid. And using that imagery to, to describe a relationship was, was kind of where, where that went. I did have to rewrite a few parts of it. And obviously, a melody and chords, that was not a thing. But it came back from the archives. And it is one of my favorite on the album as well. Well, it's interesting because I think a lot of your songs tend to speak to relationships. We're not going to be able to play them all on, on this show. But, you know, you've got Hello, My Lover in there, Awkward Ballet, Inside Looking In. One of the songs I wanted to play next was Does It Really Matter, which I think is a more direct song. I think when you were talking about your songwriting, I mean, it's a, obviously a, in a relationship. Is this a bit of an outlier in the songs that you write? This was one that didn't come from any type of personal experience necessarily. Obviously, as a duo who are married, 
I always feel sort of strange writing songs that are like about a relationship ending or about some terrible thoughts that I'm having. Because it's odd because you're like, well, how do you not relate it to us? Because like that's who we are. And being the one who, you know, I don't write the lyrics, Sarah is the the primary lyricist, she'll perform these songs or, or sing them to me and inevitably I'm thinking, is this, is this, is that me? Is she talking about me? Is it, is it us? Right. And she says that most of the time it's actually not, but again, it's, it, it, it first, you know, initially, even as, you know, being the partner both in the marriage and in, and in the musical group, you know, I've often thought, okay, well, she says it's not about us, but I don't know. <laughs> well, I imagine if she was splitting up with you, she'd probably be a little bit more direct. Yeah. I, I, I don't I, think I, she'd I write it in the song. Yeah. Yeah. I'd I I send you a text or something. Right, no, yeah, something is, <laughs> I think that that song in particular, although on the surface it seems much like, you know, a relationship breakup song, I think that the idea of it is, what is the purpose? Does this have a, a meaning in the grander scheme of things, right? So we make these promises and we say, you know, I'll stay with you or whatever. And it, do those really mean anything if they can easily be broken? So that song is more of a of a question than a story. That's sort of where I was coming from when I was writing it. So if you're writing a song like that, you was that a song that you that came to you on the piano or with with the guitar when you? That was on the guitar. Yeah. yeah. And then you would play it to Ryan, and then you would decide what sort of musical arrangement yeah. you would bring to I that. Mean, from from the music perspective. The sort of the course of events usually goes that Sarah has an idea, whether that's a melody or lyrics or something on the guitar, and then we, we bring it, she'll show it to me and sort of spontaneously, you know, pick up the bass or have the instrument with me and, and come up with something just, you know, without thinking too much about it, just something that's spontaneous. And then from there, we'll pare it down, okay, okay, this is, this is how long we want the verse, this is how long we want the chorus. Let's try this chord combination instead. Sarah does have a pretty, she's already got a pretty good idea of the meat and potatoes of, of the song in terms of its chords. But, you know, we work together to make sure that it, that it flows nicely. And the songs often will sort of morph a little bit into their, you know, to the final being over the course of playing them at shows, actually. So they, you know, we'll perform them live a few times realize okay well maybe that didn't work maybe and so we'll actually adjust you know accordingly as as the song sort of comes to fruition yeah that's actually i mean i hate to say it but live practice is a lot of what we do right so if and it's not live practice in the sense that we don't know what we're doing but it's the arrangements do follow after we've we've played them Three or times, yeah. sometimes songs even like they just will play them and we're like this doesn't work i don't like this mm-hmm. right and then we have crowd favorites that are not my favorite <laughs> but that's okay mm-hmm. i think that's why recording the album actually went very smoothly because when we tell people that we didn't use a click and we didn't do scratch tracks they are astonished that we were able to do that but the only reason we were able to do it is because we have so many performances that we've done under our belt right we played all of those songs live for three, four or five years. So as when you play them that much, you're just so in tune. But yeah, by the, by the time we've played them that many times, we have, we have lots of uh, solid ideas of what, how they're supposed to go. This is The Fontaines with Does It Really Matter from their self-titled debut album. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. 
gathered up the good and thrown the bad away even if you cry at the end of the day does it really This is Dale Butler. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio with Jan Hall.
That's The Fontaines with Does It Really Matter from their debut album. It's a self-titled album. We're joined on Folk Roots Radio today by Sarah and Ryan Fontaine. They're up in Windsor. We're down in Leamington, Ontario. We're in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic emergency, so we're all staying home. And Sarah and Ryan are managing their two lovely little girls. I, can I say that? Is that They're acceptable? Lovely. They are They're very cute. <laughs> and they keep popping in the room, which is making recording this interview fun. Are they both musical? I meant to ask you that. They are. They combine, honestly, I suppose, with two musicians for parents. Ava is, is our eldest daughter. She's nine. And she really is quite, turning into quite a little pianist. She has been studying for a couple of years, a few years now, has just a really natural, innate sense for music. And, and Juliet, the younger, the younger one, she's six. Although it's hard to pin her down to anything specific as far as uh, structured lessons or anything, she, she loves to sing and she really has this, she loves to dance. They both dance too, so they, they, they do. And we don't, we don't, you know, it's not something that we've ever forced you know, to them, it's, it's we've always allowed them to make the decisions as far as what they want to do musically or extracurricular. They love we'll, it. And we we'll want support them, to them until they want to play the drums. Right. <laughs> they want to play the and drums. Then it's just too loud. <laughs> so do they both take lessons at home? Ava takes lessons with a, with a teacher. She told me she wanted to take lessons with a real teacher. And I was like, I am. Anyway, um, but that was when back when she was five or six. So she started quite early on. But what's interesting about them is not necessarily that they take lessons. It's interesting for me as a music teacher and, and you know, somebody who has has taught multitudes of students um, of all ages to watch her development in terms of her understanding of chord progressions and her ability to write things. Mm-hmm. So that to me is the most impressive thing yeah. that, I mean, Juliet has a great ear too, but Ava takes piano lessons. Juliet does not do, she takes dance lessons, but oh, she recently recorded a song and it was like, you are not allowed to sing with me. I'm doing it by myself. <laughs> it was very specific. We just let them fly free. They have all the things that they need here. Although she did get a ukulele for her birthday. She was excited hit, about yeah. that. Yeah. Let's talk about live performance. You play lots of gigs, just the two of you. Pretty much, I mean, we're talking guitar and voice and upright bass. I was curious because I think you play a little electric bass as well, don't you, Ryan? You you do play with a bunch of other people. It's one of those things where being a uh, bass player sort of, you know, at least in my position, it encompasses sort of both instruments, right? I play both electric and upright for, you know, since about 13 or 14 years old. So it's been something that I've done both uh, instruments for quite some time. And depending on the group and depending on the, the style of music that's that I'm playing is going to dictate what instrument I decide to bring. Obviously, our group being of you know sort of a, a folky uh, acoustic nature, the the upright lends itself better to that that's that genre that style. Whereas if I'm playing a lot of the other jazz groups that I play with, if it's more contemporary stuff or you know even uh, have a new fusion jazz project that I'm working with, and that is very heavily uh, electric bass oriented. So I do, it is ultimately both that I play. He's a killer electric bass player. <laughs> like, that's why I married him. No, I'm <laughs> So that's not become part of the live show yet? No, it's just not, again, it's... It... That was one of the mistakes on the first album that I thought he insisted on playing the electric because he said it sounds better and it's easier to record. It was easier to record. It wasn't so much that it, was, that it sounded better. 
we found that in the studio the first time around that the engineer wasn't able to quite capture the sound of the, the stream bass, the F-rate. So know, I make well him enough. play it. So, it's my fault. <laughs> so now it, we just we realized that it was more of the that suited the group sound. And so many of the jobs that we play, the, the gigs that we play, we often will play unplugged altogether, right? So there are actually times where we're not even plugging anything into electricity, right? So we have no amps, no anything. We're just singing and playing off the floor, as they call it, right? Yeah. So it's we draw the line at bringing the uh, bringing the double bass camping though. Yeah. <laughs> not a campfire instrument. And Sarah, you you do a lot of vocal work outside your work in the Fontaines, don't you, in the the Windsor area? Yeah, I basically work as a professional vocalist and teacher. I have a full studio of my own voice students, but I also teach at Walkerville High School uh, in their extended arts program, or I did until two weeks ago uh, when the world shut down. And I teach at St. Clair College in the music theater program as well. But aside from that, I sing weddings. Ryan and I also have a, a jazz group that we perform with. And I've uh, appeared as a soloist with the Windsor Symphony Orchestra, as well as a multitude of different choirs. I basically will sing anything, which was interesting because I was recently asked to sing something that was pretty intensely different from anything that I'd been asked to sing. It was a Latin mass that was uh, written in a jazz style and it had a three octave range. So yeah, throw it at me and I'll, and I will work on singing it. Some things I like more than others. But uh, I try to be well-rounded and versatile. It's difficult to make a career in the arts in this city. Uh, and I think you kind of have to be well-rounded and versatile and willing to be up for a lot of different things. But yeah, I like keeping busy. I like doing doing lots of different things. But I've worked as a professional vocalist for probably, I'm dating myself, 20 years. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm 20, 24 years old. It's always good when people are honest during that. Well, I know you started out when you were four with your first album. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, if you had asked me, I would have done it. Which, you know, gets back to when you were talking about Ava and Juliet, quite clearly following in the family way, I think. I want to dip back on the album for another track. I'd like to play your version of the traditional song, Fare Thee Well, because that really gives you a chance to show some vocal chops, doesn't it? It was a great choice, I think. We really wanted to put something that we hadn't written, obviously, in the traditional folk realm, and... I love the way it turned out. Yeah, it was one of those songs that initially when, when Sarah approached me about it, I thought, well, I, can't, I couldn't really visualize where it was going to go. And it so far exceeded both of our expectations, I think, in terms of the way that it turned out. It just came together so, so beautifully. And the engineer in the studio was able to just capture this, just this lush vocal sound that just really... You know, it just hit the nail right on the head as far as how we wanted it to sound. I've never had anyone able to record my voice and me go, oh, that's me. <laughs> that's what I sound like. Yeah, he did it. And he did a fantastic job. job because at no point in time did I cringe and make weird faces. <laughs> <laughs> his, his name was Justin. I don't know if we can you know, throw a shout out to Justin. Justin Dow helped us with the production and did all the engineering and mixing for the, uh, for the record. He did a, just an incredible job. So. And he put up with us. <laughs> Let's listen to that just now. This is The Fontaines with Fare Thee Well from their wonderful self-titled debut album. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. Fare thee well, my own true 
This is Martha Renault. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio with Jan Hall. That's the Fontaines with their version of the traditional song Fairly Well from their latest album. It's their first album together. Our special guests on Folk Roots Radio today are Sarah and Ryan Fontaine. Fabulous live act. You definitely want to 
to check them out because, you know, the thing I love about these two people is not just they're great musicians, but they have a really nice interaction on stage. If you've been with us for the whole of this interview, and I certainly hope you have been, you'll know that they, uh, they're pretty funny people and they like to engage when they're in performance. So definitely check them out if you get a chance. So Sarah and Ryan, what happens now? You know, obviously we have this COVID-19 emergency that shut the world down. It will eventually open up, we hope. You'll get back to gigging because I don't think you've really had a chance to, to get the album out there as much as you wanted, have you? No. We had another date booked to do our the official release. This was this after the first attempt. It was uh, there was too many uh, conflicts with other other things going on, so we rescheduled it. And now this most recent bump in the road with the COVID nineteen crisis has caused us to yet again <laughs> cancel the CD. So it doesn't seem to be uh, uh, in the cards for for the time being. But we're hoping that at some point in the not too distant future, we'll be able to book that. Uh, that CD release show again. I call it a CD release, and I guess it is a CD. But I mean, it's you know, a release. it's already been sort of released into the universe through various streaming platforms, of course, Spotify and Tidal and iTunes. It's available on as well, so it's it's out there. But you know, sometimes having that show, that gig, to say to friends and family and everyone and fans to say, "This is here. Here's our. Here's what we've done. Here's the, it's official now." So, well, when we originally scheduled it, the album was a little bit. Later, I had hoped for it to be done in September. It had a little bit of a backup, and it didn't get to us until um, November. So I set the album release date for the end of November. But then we ended up having the Santa Claus parade and just multitudes of things on the same day. And there was a, a fabulous local project that happened with not one, but eight local singer-songwriters who all got together for a concert on that same day. And I thought, you know what, I'm not going to fight the system here. Let's let's just reschedule it. But, you know, with Ryan being in theater stuff, he does all of the Windsor Light shows and the college shows. He did two back-to-back musicals after that. So then we didn't have time. And then it's, so I thought, okay, uh, we'll just, we, it's time now. And then who would have thought like a pandemic? <laughs> it's a good story though. It's well, like, you, you, of all the things. Yeah, we'll, look, we'll look back on this someday and sort of be like, remember the time. Laugh about it. Well, not to get too personal, but I know that people are expecting a lot of COVID-19 babies to arrive. But <laughs> Yeah, no, this shop is closed. Yeah. <laughs> As I interview musicians, I'm just looking forward to some interesting COVID-19 musical projects. So, you know, with all this yeah, time. I already have-, have a song in the works. But as usual, it's not, it's not, it's very vague. <laughs> it's, it's new and it, it's very much in the way that the songs happen. She'll come to me, she'll say, I have this, this little idea. I have this thing and she'll show me and then she'll go back to it and make some adjustments and, and tweak it and then come back and then we'll try it again. And, and it's usually when that happens that not just one, but two or three songs will actually happen, right? When you get on that creative path and, you know, it starts to flow mm-hmm. a bit a bit more right so i've had a bit of a, a lull i think my brain was so focused on the songs that we did for for this album and recording them for so long i didn't write anything new and i'm actually sort of trying to convince myself you know i, I think too is when you look at something and you go this is my masterpiece and this is the best thing i've ever done oh nothing ever is going to be that good again and I think that that is holding me back right now, too. I'm having, 
you know, I keep writing little snippets and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not, it's not a real song or it's not good enough or whatever. So I've decided, you know, to, to challenge myself during this time of nothingness. Although we are surprisingly already very busy in this time of nothingness. I was like, how do we have so many things going on in when you're not allowed to go anywhere. You, you know, I, I have wondered whether you've ever thought about comedy songs because you're, you know, your natural humor, Sarah, I think would really lend itself to a comedy Ryan song. Ryan would die. Ryan yeah. would absolutely die. Well, he does nothing good funny. It's like... No, it's, it's, you know, I think it's funny that you mentioned that, actually, because, I mean, what, I, what we've sort of tried to incorporate into our live shows, and you had touched on this before, is a, is a little bit of a lighthearted you know, approach to things almost, almost Smothers Brothers esque, right? Where you're sort of just bouncing things when you're when you feel so comfortable with someone else and you want to, you know, it's not so. It, we try to make them not so formal, right? I guess well, you know, when you go on stage and you're performing and it's very yeah. you know prim and proper and everything, we would much rather just have the, a very lighthearted interaction, both with the audience and with each other. I think you know it helps to, you know, I tend to get you know more nervous about things than sarah does and my nerves act up and i find you know even as many performances as i've done i still get that that anxiety that happens when we perform she'll she'll try to lighten the mood right and that helps me feel better and then we do you know it's just trying to exude this uh i guess natural uh, laid-back attitude I guess. and i always want audiences to feel included in what we are doing especially because we are a couple and we know everything about each other and we wrote these songs and I don't want anyone to ever feel like they're separate from us. I, I really try to, I'm, I'm very bantery and I definitely don't have nerves anymore. <laughs> I, I can't remember. Actually, the last time I got nervous was when everything started shutting down and I was like, Oh my God, what do I do? I'm not going to be busy. What, how, how do I function? But I think, too, that for me personally, our music can be kind of heavy sometimes. Like the topics are not particularly lighthearted in some of them. And I think that as much as they're not negative, sometimes it's nice to have a little bit of levity between something that really makes you think. Mm. <laughs> it's true. Well, it's been great fun to talk to you today. We'll look forward to that COVID-19 Smothers Brothers-esque album. <laughs> That's what it's going to be called now. <laughs> right, yeah. well, and, and, we, and again, the hope is that we will be able to get some good creative time in and get some new material out. And yeah. We do have some gigs lined up for the summer. We don't know if those will occur. Sure. Who knows? I, I don't yeah. know. But for yeah. now, we are actually hosting some, uh, some Saturday night sing-alongs uh, from our music room. Find those on our on our the Fontaines Facebook page. Not to be confused with the other Fontaines who live in Las Vegas. They're, they're not us. It's a, like a, they're like a punk band from out west of the US. So yeah, we're the fo we're the folky Fontaines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so those are uh, those are like an all request type yeah. of show. And we'll where be we're doing just... it again this Saturday. We've got time for one more song, and appropriately, it's going to be last song. Tell us a little bit about this one. Well. It's a fave of mine, but it came from a very strange place. I, we were all stuck at home, yeah. except the kids were sick and Ryan was sick and it was a holiday and I was sick too. And I thought I'll pull all the instruments out and everyone can just have a jam session. 
But I think it turned into like the girls hitting each other with instruments and then everybody just left. And I was like, I just need to be alone for five minutes. And I wrote that song. And I think, I think my problem with writing now is I expect everything to be last song. So I have to stop trying, but it wasn't, it wasn't actually meant to be the last song on the album, which is why we put the folk tune as the last song. So as not to be too, see, I have to be opaque. I have to be big. Putting the last song as last song would be be too obvious. I can't do that. (laughs) But yeah, it, it, came from a place of just I, I think I had one little line and then I wrote the rest of it but my favorite thing about it is the chorus and the way the the chorus um the sentences sort of round the bend a little bit and we breathe in the middle of sentences and we we have this sort of swelling of of music it's it's really I think uh and Ryan sounds amazing on it he will be like oh I'm not a singer but it was my favorite thing ever uh, occurred with that and I just love it This is The Fontaines with Last Song from their self-titled debut album. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. And thanks again for spending the time to talk to us today. We'll let you get back to the girls. Thank you. Thank you. Just skin 
This is Karen Morand, and you're listening to Folk Roots Radio with my friend, Jan Hall. And that's all we have time for in this hour of Folk Roots Radio. I hope you enjoyed our chat with Sarah and Ryan Fontaine. You can check it out again on demand via our website at folkrootsradio.com, alongside many other interviews and radio episodes. And thanks again to all of our radio partners who help us bring Folk Roots Radio to you each week. We'll leave you with another track from the Fontaine's self-titled debut album. This is the beautiful Inside Looking In. Stay safe and well, everybody. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. We'll see you next time.
can hear. 